0: When we first moved to New York, we found an apartment that was dirt cheap. And we found out why it was so cheap. Our friend Amy told us there was a great apartment in her building, dirt cheap. But it's a hotel for women. Okay, we made one adjustment. Now these other ladies know us as Christy Lee and Mama Leone.
1: But they also know us as Alan and Dave, Christy Lee and Mama Leone's brothers. I'm uh, crazy about the blonde. This experience is going to make a great podcast. See, it's all perfectly normal. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. For listening to the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, where today we finally have the pleasure of talking about the song My Life. I'm just <laughs> going to get it started. My Life is the third track off Billy Joel's sixth studio album entitled 52nd Street. My Life was officially released as the first single off of the album on October 28, 1978. And on January Sixth of 1979, the song peaked at number three. It it, it toppled Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond, which says something, but it was not able to type, ah, Freak Out. Because, you know, (laughs) that's a tough ass. That's still a legendary song. I think people more know Freak Out instead of My Life, which makes no sense. Anyway, this wonderful song also appears on 2000 Years, the Millennium Concert. 12 Gardens Live, Live at Chase Stadium, Greatest Hits Volume 1, and the DVD-only version of the My Lives compilation album. I mean, how does My Life not appear directly on the My Lives compilation album? That album sucks for so many different reasons. You're
0: right. It's called My Lives. How is My Life not on there?
1: I mean they put all these other studio songs, right? How is my life not on that song? Now I'm not gonna be able to stop doing it. And my course, life, <laughs> and of course, it also appears in the legendary Tom Hanks TV show Bosom Buddies, even if it was an alternate version. This song is a Billy Joel classic, and Christopher Bonanos in 2015 did a ranking of 121 Billy Joel songs. Where does crazy Christopher Bananos place my life, Alan Altman?
0: I was thinking this song doesn't have any of those things that Christopher Bananos does not like. For example, in "Moving Out," he doesn't like the uh, the funny way that Billy Joel sings in that song with the "ack act, ack." This song is pretty pure, um, so I think he'll put this pretty high up. I'm going to say number eight.
1: And you're way off. He uh, 32. That's very oh, surprising. Man. He says chipper. Maybe a little defensive, impeccably bouncy pop song with dark undercurrent. First verse is the best. He's right about that. First verse is kind of the best. Of course. Still great after that, too. Isn't it the second verse that has the stand-up routine in L.A.? No, that's the first verse. Uh, Well, then the first verse is the best verse ever. Uh, In Newsday, Glenn Gamboa, he liked it even less. Put it at 38 I'm surprised by these guys. I really thought
0: this was a universally loved. definitely top 20.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, it's surprising. The fans rank it at 11, where it should probably perfect. exactly be perfect. So I don't know what these guys are looking for in a song or in a Billy Joel song. I suppose if this was a song that wasn't sung by Billy Joel, I could say. It, or Or if it was Billy Joel, but you're doing another show. something on different music you could say well it's a little lame but as far as a billy joel song goes it's awesome
0: yeah it's the perfect pop tune by billy joel at the peak of his powers that was a lot of peas right there
1: yeah and it's also i consider it uh a, a, a absolutely brilliant sequel to moving out which makes sense that it would be on the next album and the first song they would release just as they did with moving out, even though that didn't work out very well, but then they bought it back and then Billy Joel became Billy Joel. So this is the first song they bring out after the stranger, after everybody goes gaga over the stranger. They're like, well, and remember the, the job is you have to top your, that album and as a, that is an unenvious unenviable well you know what I meant unenviable uh, I'm gonna do the uh Porky Pig where I can't pronounce it at all unenviable I'm not gonna be able to pronounce it <laughs> but to to be able to when he's sitting there and this has happened to so many artists and you're trying to top your masterpiece and, uh, and you you come very close and when you hit this song off the first one I, I'm all in you know I think when I heard this song i liked it when i first heard it growing up and i don't i didn't know it was from a different album or anything but i just remember really liking it it's amazing it's an amazing way to kick off a new album and of course this album would go on to win it all uh basically making up for not nominating the stranger at all for a grammy and they just said no let's just give it to him now because now he's put out two unbelievable albums in a row yeah it was the makeup call yeah, that's exactly what it is. And what yeah, but this is a my life. My life is a sequel to moving out. It's you know, this is where he's he's moving out and he's and then and, and and this is what happens. And he's like, Look, I'm I'm now I'm really gonna move out, I'm not just talking about it. In fact, I know a guy that moved out to LA and did this. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of people thought the guy who gives them the stand-up routine in LA, which has not just you and I, but Danny Vermont. Gary Goldman, Kyle Dunnigan, all the comics we've had on this show. Uh, the reason we like Billy Joel is because he put somebody doing a stand-up routine in a song. So that, of course, says, oh, my God, I love this guy. But it was a lot of people thought it was Richard Lewis.
0: Yeah, I read that. That's uh, I I was surprised he even was friends with Richard Lewis. That could be something that they would think about. It's kind of like you with all your weird childhood friends who are all celebrities. Apparently, Billy and Richard Lewis had some earlier relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is interesting, but Richard Lewis has uh, made it very clear it is not about him. It is about a guy named Tony Lawrence, who no one knows who that is.
0: Yeah, I, I googled. I was like Tony Lawrence, comedian, and there's some newer comic named Tony Lawrence. It's definitely not the guy that Billy was yeah. talking yeah, about. You
1: can't find anything about him, which is sad, but apparently he has quit his job as an executive with Columbia Records to become a stand-up in L.A. So we now know that is the guy it's based on. Uh, The only thing that would be funnier than it being based on a guy named Tony Lawrence would if somebody wrote a song about Dave Juskow and then there's still nothing to find out about him after he <laughs> tried to make it as a comic. <laughs>
0: I think the song's kind of interesting how that first verse is about this guy moving to L.A., but then it switches. It's like, first, I'm talking about this guy I know. And then it's like, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. And I wonder, is it is he first saying I heard about this guy in L.A.? And then it switches perspective. And now it's that guy in L.A. talking. Or is Billy just using that as an example of someone he knows who moved out? So now he's going to move out, too.
1: I don't know. I thought it was more like James, where he's be like, hey, dude, you didn't make it. I'm doing great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about that guy that moved out to L.A. to do his tandem? What a loser.
0: I think it's like, hey, he. I'm, I'm glad he did it, whether it works out or not. At least he's, you know, like Billy says, sleeping in his own place.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. This song is so good. And when they use it for Bosom Buddies years ago, I remember thinking, I love that they used it for Bosom Buddies, but I can't figure out why. And then, and, and I didn't see any I guess I just remember the interview because I couldn't find anything on YouTube of why, why Billy Joel let them use it for "Bosom Buddies." What's the reason? The reason is he said I wanted to have more people hear my song. It's that simple. But but the weird part is what what we can't figure out. What I can't figure out. I mean, we know why, but it's still weird. He gave the okay. And yet they had another guy sing the song.
0: I think it would have been too expensive to use the actual version. But,
1: but How is it expensive if Billy Joel says, OK?
0: Well, he's like, hey, OK, but if you want to use my studio recording of it, it's going to cost you a million bucks. Otherwise, they could anyone could record it. They, they, I, he doesn't so need to give.
1: Pose, you right. different thing. It's just that, like I said, I saw an interview where Billy Joel, they asked him why he lent his song to the show. And he goes, I wanted more people to hear it. But if you're a musician and you know this song going to be playing every week, if you wrote this song, this is your baby, don't you want it done the right way? The way you're singing it? You just let a studio guy just butcher it?
0: Maybe it would seem a little bit too much of a sellout move to have a song as a as a sitcom theme song. So it's like you could use it and I give you my permission and I'm cool with that. I want more people to hear it but I don't want to be so connected that it's my actual version.
1: I guess that's the way it is. But like I said, I believe that was the question they asked him. Did you, you know, why did you sell out? Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's what makes more sense. Like I said, I definitely heard him talking about it. Somebody asked him and then he just gave this perfect answer. I wanted to hear more people that, you know, there wasn't any roundabout thing, which was smart because th- it worked. And more people, Yeah, it worked for two seasons. Right. But I'm just saying you're also now you, you know, I mean, I don't even know whether, you know, he didn't know who Tom Hanks was or Peter Scolari or anything. You know, he didn't know this is going to be. I wonder if he even knew anything about the show. I mean, you take a chance, I guess, saying, well, what if this becomes big? Which it didn't. But it is now. I mean, he got lucky on every angle of it, you know, in a strange roundabout way.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a big show, but it was very memorable. And then obviously, when Tom Hanks became a superstar, then people look back on it uh, even more fondly.
1: Well, I watched it growing up. I thought it was the greatest show. You know, I, this was exactly my perfect time for it, so I loved it, and I thought Tom Hanks was the greatest back then. So then I started following his career. You know, like I'd see everything he was in, and that's mm-hmm. I already knew about Tom Hanks from this from this show because it was perfect. You know, this guy, you know, with the, the what they were doing, but he was, uh, you know, in love with that really hot blonde girl, and it just you know, those kind of shows make sense to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the cross dressing, the in love with a blonde girl—it's <laughs> all you. <laughs> it is. Did you see the remake of the *Bosom Buddies* theme song by Adam Scott and Paul Rudd in 2014?
1: Oh yes, of course. I, I've seen that. It's unbelievable. I mean, these guys obviously. Well, Adam, as we had Scott Ackerman on, Adam Scott is his, like partner, so uh, he was explaining it, of course. But the fact that they actually got Billy Joel to be in it but it is Paul Rudd and he is a movie star I mean it makes sense that they could get him but boy that's what makes it yeah you got to see this on YouTube where they're telling Billy Joe he's doing it wrong it's goddamn hilarious yeah
0: it's so so funny because they they do the, the shot for shot remake of the bosom buddies theme song but then they do this like behind the scenes video like the making of it and they're telling Billy Joel that he's getting the lyrics wrong. And they're like, can you sing it more like the guy on the cover version <laughs> yeah. from *Bosom Buddies? <laughs> so he has to change his voice to that guy's voice.
1: It's really gratifying to know that they're going to actually use my voice singing uh, my song on, on the TV show, *Bosom Buddies. I was in the wilderness for years when they didn't use my voice. But you hang in there long
0: enough and you get your shot. You know, I'm
1: back. I'm back big time. Got a call from an old friend That's not it. What's not it? Is there any way you can sing it and maybe sound more like the guy from the show? Let me try.
0: Uh, Uh, Do you need, need, like, some
1: time? Yeah,
0: can I get some water? Yeah, we'll get you some flat water to match your voice.
1: Those aren't the right lyrics. Yeah, that sounded weird. Now he gives them stand up routine in LA. And I believe it. it's not a stand up routine, it's stand like up tartine. Like those, yeah, like the sandwiches with no top. Now gives them stand up tartine in LA. It's really funny, really funny. And it is, yeah, I'd been like, I saw that and I was waiting to talk about it. I'm, Waiting to get to my life just to talk about that video. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my favorite part is they tell him uh it's he says, you know, stand-up routine in LA. And they're like, No, no, it's stand-up tartine in LA, <laughs> like the little the little tartine sandwich. So then <laughs> Billy Joel just like sings it that way, and they're like, Yeah, that's it. And Billy's <laughs> acting is so good in that, he's not going over the top, like you know that that clip that you like to talk about where it's Billy Joel and Andrew Dice Clay behind the scenes at Madison Square Garden. Billy is kind of playing it up a little too much, I feel like. But in this one, he hits the perfect tone. I don't know how he didn't crack up laughing any of the three of them. It was so funny.
1: Well, you also know the backstory. Now, I think we said this during the Scott Ackerman interview. um, But Scott also told me when we weren't on tape that that day. I I think we brought this up that that Billy Joel wouldn't leave. Like he he wanted to hang out. And then and then he had he was like, come on, let's go to dinner. Like, he wouldn't leave like they, they couldn't believe it because they just assumed he would want to go. And then he wanted to have dinner and then he bought them to an Italian place. We did talk about this. Right. And then he bought his own
0: clams. Yeah. Adam Scott tells the story on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And yeah, he says they went to an Italian restaurant and Billy Joel showed up with a bag of his own clams and gave them to the chef and had him cook them up. Yeah. But, he, but he, I thought but he was joking at first, but I think he really means it like he. No, no, no. It's true some story. some clams that day Yeah,
1: because Scott told me afterwards, you know, that it's completely true. And, and it was just funny that he, he just didn't want to leave. He was having a good time, I guess. And I guess he's that type of guy. Billy Joel, you know, he's just like, you know, if he comes to your house, he's probably going to stay over.
0: He obviously likes to party. He likes to hang out. He likes to drink. He doesn't want to be alone. As he says in the song, I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Scott was like, we couldn't figure out what to say to the guy. I was like, so what was it like making glass houses? (laughs) And he said they just talked about the discography a lot. And Billy Joel really liked talking about his music.
1: That would be us for sure. We do a goddamn Billy Joel podcast and we would be so intimidated. What are you supposed to ask? You know, we'd first of all, we'd forget any question we ever would say on this podcast where we would be like, you know, someday we're going to have to ask him that question. There's no way you in the moment, the odds of you remembering what the plan was. (laughs) Let me ask you this uh, in stranger. I I can't even think of anything right now because I'm just thinking about it. I I wouldn't have nothing to say to the guy.
0: Oh, yeah. I know the nerves of having him on the show. We, we'd have to really uh, all my we'll questions get him disease, would be disease, so we we'll have
1: some time to think about it. All my questions would be about Christy Brinkley.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be like, en- enough about the music. I don't care. But uh, what was it like uh, dating Elle McPherson?
1: Yeah. Uh, Was Christy mad that you were dating Elle first? <laughs> was it weird being with a really tall woman? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, you're all right.
0: After uh, the Keeping the Faith video, did you make Christy keep the red wig on for a while?
1: boy she really did look pretty in that too isn't that amazing you know here's another thing in phil ramone's biography he said when they were making the song again liberty devito was such an asshole do you see that
0: yeah the whole little section of of that biography is great fuck
1: this is unbelievable he's angry at everything I can't believe Billy Joel kept him on as long as he did. Phil Ramone saying, "I'd like you to play this beat," and Liberty gets angry and says, "I ain't playing that disco bullshit." And Phil got up and told him, "What you've been in this business for like twelve minutes? You're gonna tell me what to do?" And they and it just I can't, this guy, Liberty Devito, he just doesn't get it. It's so weird. Who is he to keep getting angry at people telling him what to do when he's working? for a salary
0: yeah he probably wasn't thinking long term he was like this billy joel thing's not going to last a while i want to be able to work in a hard rock band afterwards i want them to hear me playing a disco
1: beat what a what a boy what a conceited asshole again all i keep thinking about what we were talking about it for money or love you know where this guy just wasn't getting it that's that's when we first realized and then all of a sudden since we were talking about it There's been three instances since money or love, where we found out that Liberty DeVito is just a problem causer. The fact that Billy Joel kept him for as long as he did, how does he not even get that part?
0: Well, at least Liberty like admits that he was wrong because he says every time I see the gold record, I read it. Yeah, twenty years later. I mutter, Fucking guy, he was right. Yeah, twenty years later. when you look at the chart where, where it hit number three, everything around it is all disco bullshit. So Phil knew exactly like we got to have a song that's like a pop song. That's not some whatever, whatever Liberty wanted to play would have made the song. But sorry, Alana, a lot he,
1: he did not realize it. An album later, he didn't realize it two albums later. That's what I'm trying to say. He did not realize it. No, he admits it now because Billy Joel fired him. And now he's, you know, retroactively thinking about it it's it, it's really making me upset it's a, you know it's just bothering me it's like you've got this unbelievable job well speaking of the drumming in this
0: song I, I one of my favorite parts of the song is when that second chorus comes in the i don't need you to worry for me because i'm all right that second time like kind of the most of the band drops out like the song kind of gets quieter but you hear like it's mainly the drums and a little bit of guitar i think is in the background there um i really love the way that the the feeling of the song changes there and uh and that's that's Liberty being very prominent in the song. No, it's not
1: Liberty. Now we know it's Phil Ramone. And
0: but Liberty, Liberty was playing. He was holding oh, the sticks. Oh, he was
1: playing. I could have played that part. Ringo could have played that part. A, a piece of crap drummer could have played that part. I'm angry. That There's guys- a live
0: version where, um, and this is a, a newer one. I think it was from, oh, no, from the River of Dreams tour. So this is like 94, probably, where before the song gets going, Liberty plays like a really big drum solo.
1: Listen, we're not going to. He's a good drummer. But you know you're you're playing for somebody else. This isn't your band. I just don't understand. Again, I Billy Joel must have had a you know a very tough skin to just say, eh, he's good enough. Let's let him do what he wants.
0: <laughs> Liberty was probably like, can we change the band's name to Liberty Joel?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, again, when he was asking for you know money song, what was it? The the, the money songwriting credits. A song? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. I think since I've heard that. That's this is what's been bothering me with the last three songs since I've heard that he was asking for songwriter credits and treating Billy and Phil so poorly. I that just drives me insane.
0: There was an interesting article where they were talking about, I think, to the guy who was the engineer on this album. And he mentioned that like Billy Joel doesn't like doing a ton of takes of songs. And so Phil Ramone said, like, just capture everything because you never know when it's going to be the take. Make sure you record every effect that might be. You know, even if it doesn't seem like it's important. And I th- he said that this song was recorded in just two or three takes.
1: If yeah, that makes sense. Oh, by the way, I can't believe there's a music video for this. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen it before. Have you? It's so weird. Yeah. You've seen it before. Well,
0: I saw it, I think, a few months ago. I was just looking at various. All right. Really a few months things. ago.
1: I, I, I didn't know it existed. It's the greatest video I've ever seen. I love it. I love the fact. First of all, I love that opening where he's the big tough guy in the, in, in the park or other thing. I, I, I can't even stand that it's, it's driving me. I, I love every minute of it. Yeah. The whole and,
0: band are like tough. It looks like West side story. Kind of they're hanging yeah, out on a handbook yeah. court For, looking real and, tough.
1: And, and remember this was before music videos. So the fact that they put this together, it just shows you how th- this is what you get. Remember this is before music videos. So this is the kind of production you get from Columbia after you make the stranger where they're all in on this and they're like, we're going to make a film, you know, because that's pretty much what it was. And they do this thing, which makes no sense, doesn't add to the song in any way, but it is this awesome precursor to the song. And then it's with stiletto
0: playing, not with my life. It's all with stiletto, that whole first part.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. So I was wondering what that was. And then when they go into the studio to watch himself play, I I, I even like that premise.
0: I was confused exactly what that was trying to show I, I thought the whole point of it was like they're these street tough guys but then all of a sudden they're in their business attire to go to the studio but then you see them like yeah at the uh, engineering board watching and then you see them playing and then you see them all doing the background vocals also is it all supposed to be them or are they playing like different yeah, no parts? no
1: I think it's a it was one of the first music video premises now the first part means nothing. Clearly, we don't know what the first part is. It's just to I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> so let's just throw that out because it makes no sense. But the second part is totally they the concept, I believe, was we're going to come in. We're going to sit at the engineering board, the mixing board and the, the, with the band. And we're going to be watching ourselves. And there'll be two different things. You know, it's like that's the way it is. And then they're watching another band, which is them. So it's like Sergeant Pepper, song.
0: kind of where it's like. You know, in the movie where they they see the band Sergeant Pepper, but then the Beatles are dressed as Sergeant Pepper,
1: and they see each other. Yeah, so the, here we here we are again. Obviously, he saw a Day in the Life uh, video and uh, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I, that's exactly what I think it is, and I loved it because there was a concept to it, and it wasn't a big concept, and it is a complete you know, two years before, uh, well, that must've been made. Well, 78, what are we talking about? Four years before or three years before there were music videos. It's amazing. And like you said, when they're all doing the, um, the background, the, uh, vocals. background vocals, like the queen song.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's what it looked like. It looked yeah. like the Bohemian Rhapsody video. When,
1: when we also know it's not them singing, uh, it wasn't the band backing them up. So, that's true music video stuff, because we know now it was Peter Cetera from Chicago, and I don't think he's in and, that video.
0: Right, right. The video changes the history of the song. So everyone thinks it was Billy and his band doing the backing vocals and not two guys from Chicago,
1: which is interesting because that's what music videos used to do. They, you know, I mean, it's just a, it's a movie. They're making a movie. And uh, I, I'm fascinated. By, but like I said, it shows you how big Columbia was behind this album. Uh, again, there I know there were television ads about the album and stuff like that, and they were all behind. Why wouldn't they be? You know, it's it's the exact opposite of what happened after Turnstiles. Columbia's all in after The Stranger, and it, and it worked because then he won the goddamn Grammy. Yeah, because, look, they're thinking, okay, we've already had three
0: albums with this guy that have stunk completely and we've lost money on. And finally, now he's got a huge hit. Like, this is finally our chance to make money back. We've got to make sure the next album is also a huge hit and we keep the
1: momentum going. Billy Joel A to Z will continue after this commercial message. 52nd Street, go there with someone who knows it. I don't care what you say anymore, this is my life. 52nd Street better than anyone else. 52nd Street, it's his brand new album. It includes his latest hit song, My Life, and it's on Columbia Records and Tapes. And that's the other thing about this album with 52nd Street, especially I wonder, and I don't know, and maybe you know we can find out, or maybe somebody else knows if the Columbia was all in on the well, I want to make a jazz album. What? Are you out of your goddamn mind? You know, you're gonna call it what? You're gonna have a picture, you playing what? They're probably very uptight about this. And I would say most of the times you hear about artists having problems coming up with their, you know, their second album after a monster. Uh, and there's a lot of pressure because there's timing. But it, it seemed like he had just no pressure. He was he's just this was he was in his groove. He was able to write them out, and uh, do them in two takes. And uh, obviously there was no pressure from the album company or the record company to get him in the studio and do it. That happens a lot, but I don't think it happened here. And he was totally on his game. This was it. This was his wheelhouse right then. 1970, 77, 78, 79, 80.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure they were worried when he said it was going to be a jazz album, but then, but then you have, okay, our first single is my life. And then there's big shot and there's honesty. None of those are jazz songs. No. So it's a jazz album, but like the jazzy stuff, like didn't affect the singles, which were still like straight pop.
1: I just picture him going to the company. Well, I'm going to make it more of a jazzy album. And they'd be like, ah, well, Billy, not to impede your work. It's (laughs) says, here's the thing though. You know, that's, and maybe that's why they made that opening. Maybe that's why they made that West side story opening in the video. You know, who knows? I
0: feel like that was like, they were, they wanted to show like, this is more like what the album 52nd street is like. So here it is kind of like the album cover. That's kind of what it looks like. Cause in the album cover, he's kind of a tough guy standing on the street. Yeah. And so uh, it's like this is Fifty Second Street, the album. Here's some stiletto, a little bit of another song, and then now here's my life. You no, know,
1: it might be time for another watch party because we got to watch that together. We all got to watch that together. It's unbelievable. Let alone the bosom buddies thing with Paul Rudd and him. I mean, now we got stuff we got to show, and, and there's uh, more
0: besides those two videos. Something else uh, really interesting to show is um, there, there are two interesting Elton John, Billy Joel live performances that are notable. One of them in 2009 at one of the face to face concerts, Billy Joel, while playing My Life, falls off of his stool. And so Elton's still playing the song. Billy Joel is trying to get back up. A roadie picks the stool up and then Billy grabs it and throws it off stage. So that's kind of a funny video, a little blooper reel. And then the other one is Billy Joel and Elton John are playing in 1998 in Tokyo. And Elton John comes out for this song with a full Godzilla mask on. And Billy Joel can't stop laughing throughout the whole performance. Oh, and, awesome. uh, Near the end of it, he improvises a line. He says, you can speak your mind, but you're such a killer, just like Godzilla. <laughs> oh, that was good off off the head riffing.
1: I still belong. Don't get me wrong. I love when it goes up like that.
0: Yeah. You know, you uh. can speak your mind but you're such a killer, just like Godzilla. <laughs> that was how he sang it.
1: Oh, that's great. And, and like he was we like, said, can we're you see
0: out of that thing? He kept like, like
1: riffing and making comments. Like we had um, Kyle Dunnigan on and he was talking about like kind of the new version of my life. I love it. I like it too. The new live, uh, kind of the different melody. Yeah, he sings it. those certain verses differently, like
0: Kyle mentioned. But if you look back at some of the older live, like from like 93, 94, he was still doing it even back then. So it's, you know, at some point, It's still been twenty years or something, but he has uh, made that shift. But if you look at the earlier shows, like the nineteen eighty two Long Island concert, which is on video, uh, he's pretty much singing it still like the way the studio version is.
1: Right, that makes sense. Right, it was later, but yeah, I like that new version too. Well, I like actually like the new version more. That's the way I think I sing it in my head nowadays.
0: I think it's probably easier for Billy to sing it that way, which is why he changed
1: it. Oh, that could be true. That's interesting.
0: And the overall live stats for the song, he has played this 661 times. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's his seventh most played song. Oh. And just like we saw with moving out, he took it out of the, when he did the bridge tour, he took this completely out of the set list and then brought it back around 1990.
1: Yeah. Believe very much that I would like to hear this song if I went to see him live.
0: Yeah. And you will. Now he plays it every single time. Awesome. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me?
1: Yeah, I got, uh, I got, uh, I got two. Both, of, of course, Bosom Buddies related. I think you knew which way I was going on that. Uh, I'll give you this one first because it's hilarious. In 1997, Bosom Buddies co-star Peter Scolari uh, played R- the Rick Moranis role in the television series Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which lasted for three seasons. What actor did Peter Scolari beat out to obtain that role?
0: I didn't even know there was a TV series version of Honey, I Trunk the Kids, let alone that it lasted for three seasons. Was that yep. the, the Disney Channel?
1: No, no. It was on Channel 9.
0: here Channel 9? Yeah. So w- UPN. UPN. That's right. It was a UPN okay. show. So who did he beat out for that role? Did he beat out Rick Moranis himself?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to mm. tell you who it is along because you'll never get it. The answer is Dave Juskow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've hated that guy and I'm glad he's dead. Thank you.
0: Did, were yeah. you like really in the running? Like you were far Oh, yeah, along no, it was process? between
1: me and him. Wow. Yeah, I want to kill myself every day when I think about it. <laughs> like, after, now when I hear my life, I fucking hate it because it reminds me of Peter Scholar. That's crazy. It almost did ruin my life for me. It was between me and him, and they wanted to go with a, a known person, even though no one remembers him from Bosom Buddies. The, you know, it's all about Tom Hanks, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about that guy? can't believe you were almost Rick Moranis. It was been perfect. Well, think about that. It was 1997. I was already going to play somebody's father. How long have I been old? Yeah, but th- those
0: kids were like, what? T- the oldest one was like nine or 10 or something. Yeah, well, so it would have been a very young
1: father. You would have been, yeah, young father. You're like, well, he's already father.
0: starting to go bald. So this could work. <laughs> How dare you? I wasn't. Shut up.
1: <laughs> Here, I have a different one for you, too, if you want a okay. good one. Which two time Oscar winner ironically sings a portion Of my life on an episode of 30 Rock in 2011. Tom Hanks? Yes! Clooney, Hanks, actor emergency. Tracy Jordan's doing TV again. I know, disappointing. Take him off the official A list. Well, I don't have the password. Pitt's our webmaster. Well, then wake him up! I don't
0: care what you say anymore. This is my life. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, he's singing it while he's knitting. (laughs) I guess that's a callback to Bosom Buddies. Oh, it's a total callback. Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, so my trivia question, also Bosom Buddies related. Yay. Kind of. Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, I can't even say his name. Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, who starred in Bosom Buddies, before they starred in Bosom Buddies, what game show in the 1970s did they appear on? Together? Apparently together. Oh. Dating game? No. <laughs> that would have made sense. That was a good It would be funny if one of them was laughing? a contestant and one of them was one of the guys.
1: Oh, no! well, I thought maybe they were both Yeah, the they were both. Yeah, um, no, not the dating game. Price is Right? No, that doesn't make it. Okay, sense.
0: I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a game show that Dave Jeskow has also been on.
1: Make Me Laugh? Yes. Do they appear as a comedy team? This is what it
0: says on on, on Wikipedia. I can't find a video of it, but they, they appeared together on Make Me Laugh in the 70s. As a team, they weren't comedians, though, so they must have had a
1: shtick. Well, that's the same with Scott Ackerman. You know, when he was on our version in the 90s, make me laugh, which is a different version. He was on with his partner, BJ. They used to be called the Fun Bunch. And they weren't comedians. They were this act, you know. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is the same thing. I didn't realize they were friends before they got Bosom Buddies. It makes a lot of sense. They obviously... Remained friends throughout. Uh, you can see Peter Scolari in a whole bunch of Tom Hanks stuff. You know, with yeah, ho- holding parts. his
0: coffee after the director says
1: cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what I would be doing mostly. But uh, no, he, Tom. Uh, P- it always made me happy that I would see Peter Scolari in a bunch of Tom Hanks stuff, whether it be a cameo or whatever. It made me happy that they remained friends. You know, the funny thing is also is that I had a cooking show on the Food Network. And I had this one girl and it was a friend of my sister's and she was really hot and um, I really liked her. And then she ended up marrying Peter Scolari. How much do I hate this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it all comes full circle. And but yet I love hearing my life and I try not to think about all that stuff that could have been. Yeah. Oh, it's
0: good that you can look past all that. Unlike the song Lullaby on uh, this song. You
1: know what? That song. Look. Sorry, Alon. I said I wasn't going to get upset about this. I shouldn't have triggered you by mentioning a song that everyone else loves. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, Alon, you had uh, kind of previewed us what your parody might be this time. I'm hoping you stuck with it. We've already been maybe alluding to it. I don't know. We have not spoken about it, but uh, this has to be a good one. Because this is too huge. This is too huge a song for you to not make this one of the best ones you've ever done. I had a lot of pressure. English! I'm I'm doing to you what the record company was doing to Billy Joel after the stranger. And right, so this is my jazz party. A lot of doing is,
0: my, his, his is his <laughs> <laughs> doing
1: Rodney Dangerfield tie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure.
0: Uh, yeah. I almost forgot that we had talked about making this into a boret themed uh <laughs> Parody. Um, but I but I did not forget. I remembered it. And so uh, that's what we have here. The parody of my life is called My Wife. All right. Yes, I was hoping. Uh, so hopefully this is decent. <laughs> Twelve years ago, I decided that it would be silly if I started to speak in the Kazakhstan way. <laughs> Grew a stash, wore a suit, curled my hair up like Billy. Now I talk just like Borat every day. I don't care. It's still funny to me to say, my wife. (laughs) When I see a hot babe, I say, wah, wah, wee, wah. Every chance that I get, you know I will say, my wife. I got fired at work. They said I took it too far. Wah, wah, wee, wah. is
1: very nice. I, I think that delivered. I think it delivered. Woo! Yeah, it was pretty good. I think the last line could have been better, but it doesn't matter because we were all just waiting for you to say my wife, which I can't do as well. <laughs> Wa we <Wah-wah-wee-wah. laughs> all right. Well, folks, that was my life Yay.
0: If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you think Billy Joel should have sang the theme song to Bosom Buddies? Are you also annoyed with Liberty's attitude? Have you ever seen Tony Lawrence's stand-up comedy? Don't you think Dave should have been cast in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Obviously. Yes. And will you start singing this song as my life? know i will until next time i'm Elon altman i'm dave joe's and this is billy joel a
1: to z i don't care what you say anymore this is my life go ahead with your own life